we go back to 07, sending my pink Cadillac back, starting, deciding to start Incredible One Enterprises, getting myself booked to speak. The problem was I could get the first speaking engagement, but I didn't have anything else to sell. So it really mm. put me into this hustle and grind mentality because I had to keep finding places to get myself booked to speak in order to eat. <laughs> and the road kind of fell, came out from under me and I ended up finding myself in a position where the cash reserves that I had when I left corporate America, they dissipated and there was no money. And I ended up having to file bankruptcy and going back to work. The one place I'd said I would never go again because I wasn't born to sit behind anyone else's yeah. desk. The Move Entrepreneur Evolved Podcast. Get on it. And we are here back with the Moved Entrepreneur Podcast. And I'm super excited because I got an incredible guest. I've got so many great questions. We've got Darnielle Harmon. How are you doing today? I am so excited to be here, Jason. Hello, 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 Incredible Ones. That is so cool. And I, you are the CEO of Incredible One Enterprises and the founder of Incredible Factor University at Incredible One Enterprises. Um, I'm going to have to say that it's pretty incredible because you've got it in your name. And I've seen a shirt here that uh, I'm hoping that I get uh, darn yelled because I'm, I'm seeing that all over the place. And I think I'm going to get that. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny, probably about seven years ago, my clients were like, we need T-shirts. Our, we've been darn yelled. Our whole life has changed. And so we literally created t-shirts that said, I've been darn yelled that we give to clients once they finish their year in our program. I, I think that's super cool. So I, I mean, it, it had um, some high hopes here. So, so here we go. <laughs> I think it'd be great. I'm going to jump right into this and, and I'm, and I'm going to say that um, I thought something was super cool. So not many people have uh, what you have. I, I, I try to do my homework on these and it kept going back and I kept going back. And I'm going to take you back to a post that you had. And let's see if you can grab the year, but I'll say it's before 2010. And it says, this is the cover of my debut novel. If you understood my past, you would understand my praise. Mm -hmm. What was going on during that time? Because I got to tell you, you know, I, we, I, you know, we work with a lot of people and have conversations. Um, and I'd say that my kickoff into Facebook was 2010 or so. You were right there, 2008. What was that like just entering Facebook in 2008? And then not only that, putting yourself out the way that you did. Yeah, I'm, Facebook in 2008 was an entirely different place than it is today. There were no, I mean, there were algorithms, but there was no pay to play like it is now where no one sees your posts. Everyone you were connected to actually saw what you put out. So we actually made a lot of money from social media in the early years. Now, you know, the only way to do that is through leveraging the power of Facebook ads. As far as putting myself out there in that way, I've always believed that I have a really powerful story. And I like to think of my life as a, I call myself a belief barrier breaker and sharing with people what I've been through provides a source of inspiration and a, well, if she could make it through that, so could I. And I think that the things that we've been through, once we do our work, right, go to therapy, forgive yourself, forgive your parents and all of that. Once we do all of our work, the, everything we went through isn't for us. 
is so we can help someone else. And so when I wrote that first book, if you understood my past, you would understand my praise. I chronicled a part of my life and a part of my story at that particular point in time as a demonstration of what's possible when you have faith, when you believe in something that is greater than yourself for me, that is God and leveraging that faith to get out of your own way and be what you want to see for other people. And so um, I, I think it's pretty cool that you went all the way back there. <laughs> and that was 2008, 2008. Yeah, 2008 when I wrote that book. Wow. That means I'm not new to this, Jason. I'm true to this. I've been here for a long time. <laughs> I, think, I think it's a testament. I, one thing that I noticed about you is um, you're really consistent. Um, you know, you've been posting, you've been, you've been putting yourself out there. You can, and, you know, I'm sure that throughout the years, we all have trials. We have all these things that we go through, but I noticed that, you know, there really wasn't a time that you didn't kind of keep going in the story that you had. And also you, you're still, you're still in Delaware, right? I am. And I noticed, you know, that was not until now, I don't know if this is when you started, um, incredible one enterprises, um, but that was actually 2007 when you actually posted the, the job that you had started a new job, which now, you know, it's CEO and things like that, but, but it was 2007. It was actually your first post um, that you posted saying, look, this is who I am. And I think that, you know, looking back, you know, that was the, that was really the transition. Were you part, were you a MySpacer at all? very like I think I got on MySpace as Facebook was coming and MySpace was starting to dissipate so I I think I had a page but it wasn't up very long before everybody was moving to Facebook yeah I I, I think that um during those times you know I remember posting some things and you get comments and you go to the, and I remember like sometimes not being able to know how to actually accept, accept that you know what I mean because you were thinking everybody was seeing your stuff um, you, you actually, uh, I noticed that you had done some radio and things like that. Where was it at the point? Because obviously you became a CEO, which means you, you're on your own path. Really. Um, you actually have to solve your own problems, right? Get help, but you got to solve your own problems. Where, yeah. where did that start? Um, cause I have this storyline to 2007 and most people, I don't have that, but as you go back, where, where was the start or the concept of incredible one enterprises? Yeah, so it really goes back to 2004. I was still at work in corporate America. I had become a vice president and I literally woke up one day and realized that I was not meant to sit behind someone else's desk. I had no plan. It was not on my agenda, but that day I had a knot in my stomach and by the time I got to work, it was a lump in my throat. And I literally knew what I needed to do and I quickly wrote a letter of resignation. I took it into my boss, no plan, and just said, today's my last day. I didn't know what I was going to do, Jason, but I knew that I was not supposed to be there anymore. And I have massive extreme faith. And so I stepped out and I said, well, you know, worst case scenario, if this whole thing doesn't work, I know I can get another job. At that point in time, I had my MBA. And so I was like, I know I'm employable if I want to be employable. And so while I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life, I started operating a Mary Kay cosmetics business full-time. I became a sales director. I got a pink Cadillac. I actually got two pink Cadillacs. And so by the time we get to 2007, 
I was ready. I had, I had what I call a, my Britney Spears moment. Oops, I did it again. I had traded one desk for another. And so I was ready to send my pink Cadillac back to Mary Kay Cosmetics to start Incredible One Enterprises. When I left corporate America in 2004, I was very clear at that point in time that I was supposed to be figuring out my purpose work. And in 2007, it became very clear to me that my purpose work was hinged upon me sharing my story and telling people what I had made it through in hopes to be able to to be that inspiration for them. And so it was in 2007 that I started writing. If you understood my past, you would understand my praise. And my goal at that time for Incredible One Enterprises was just to get booked to speak, to share my story. And I did, I, I, you know, I got myself booked to speak at churches because it was, you know, churchy kind of thing. Congregation, it gave you an audience, you know. It did. And it was great until it wasn't. Oh, that's an interesting, I want to hear, I want to hear about when it wasn't, but I thought I'd throw this out to you. It's kind of interesting. You just said that because Mm -hmm. it was, um, and I know I pull these out, but I think that they're fun. And that's kind of what I do with the show. Sometimes I kind of pull these things out and it was literally in 2016, you pulled back and you said, you know, it was nine years ago. Um, you know, I was fresh out of Mary Kay, the Cadillac, the success. I didn't know it. Uh, I had no choice. I started my business because it was so early. I had no choice, even with knowledge and experience, my fair share of struggles, no clients, the wrong clients. I don't think, I mean, in a way, some of that stuff, maybe not for you, but those formulas and those struggles, they haven't changed. <laughs> No, they haven't. <laughs> they definitely haven't. Um, and it's for me, like recounting that story in 2016, you know, and, and in 2016, I'm running a seven figure company. You know, I've got a team. I'm, I'm reaching back to be an example for people who are continuing to press, right? Can still trying to figure this entrepreneurship thing out and struggling all the while. And what we have to realize is that when we're employees, we are employee-minded. We are not entrepreneurially-minded. And so we come into entrepreneurship fresh off of working for someone else, and we don't understand how business really works because we weren't responsible for every function in the companies where we worked, right? We had our one little job and responsibility, and we reported to whomever we reported to, and that was it. And now we're this whole entity, this whole CEO of this whole thing that has all these moving parts and we have to figure them all out. And that is where struggle ensues. And that's what it was for me. And so if we go back to 07, sending my pink Cadillac back, starting, deciding to start Incredible One Enterprises, getting myself booked to speak. The problem was I could get the first speaking engagement, but I didn't have anything else to sell. So it really Mm. put me into this hustle and grind mentality because I had to keep finding places to get myself booked to speak in order to eat. (laughs) And the road kind of fell, came out from under me. And I ended up finding myself in a position where the cash reserves that I had when I left corporate America, they dissipated and there was no money. And I ended up having to file bankruptcy and going back to work. The one place I'd said I would never go again because I wasn't born to sit behind anyone else's desk. I humbled myself. And from 2008 until 2010, I worked a full-time job. I, um, and I learned what I didn't know about business because the MBA that I have, oh, it sounds wonderful. I have an MBA in marketing. I don't have an MBA in entrepreneurship and business growth and scaling and all of that kind of stuff. I've always known marketing. I've always had a way with words. And so 
when I took that job, I got to develop what is today my move to millions framework, but then I can't even remember what I called it, but I got to develop content that I still use to this day in, a, in an environment where I got paid and I got beta testers of my content. I was smart enough to negotiate with the organization where I went to work that it was my intellectual property and it would leave with me when I left because I did commit to a two-year um, contract with them. And so when I came back into full-time entrepreneurship, January 1st, 2011, I had a viable proven marketing system that I knew worked to grow a business because I had used it for two years to grow that particular organization's outcomes by 68%. Mm -hmm. And then I started to internalize what I had done and learned. And I basically took my formal MBA education and drilled it down into what it would mean to solopreneurs in the marketplace trying to figure out how to navigate and get enough clients to be able to pay their bills. Yeah. And I was yeah. able to take that and turn it into my own process. So in addition to getting booked to speak, I now had a back-end product to sell so that I could change my own situation. Within a year of coming back into full-time entrepreneurship, we were at six figures. Within three years, we were at seven. And it was all because I was willing to take a step back. Like I even said that this year, uh, earlier this week, I did a training, um, just like a three things I learned this year. And the first thing was sometimes you have to take a step back or slow down in order to ramp up. And, and I did, you know, I did that then I did that this year and it just makes a difference to be able to really put yourself in position to evaluate all that you do have and what you do know and separate from all of the noise and the confusion and the mm. imposter syndrome and the fears and the doubts that come rushing in when all of a sudden your whole financial responsibility and ability to eat is tied to your outcome to produce results in your You're own business because it, it's hard. It I think hard. you made a really interesting comment and it just kind of triggered in my brain and I was like, you know, we hear the statement, take a step back. I, I mean, I'm just going to throw this out here because I look, you know, I'm adding kind of my life in there as well. Maybe what we do is we think that we have to take an, you know, two steps back, but that would include both feet. And I think that if we kind of look at saying, hey, if I have to take a step back, really what you need to do is just take one foot, take a step back because the things that you've learned have maybe moved you in one direction, but maybe taking that step back is just kind of like a pause. You know, there's kind of a pause, you know, parts of my body kind of got to calm down. But if, if yeah. you take everything, all the steps back, then you're back at your job, you're back at your all those things. Yeah. So it's almost like, I don't know, maybe I'm making something up right now. But basically, no, it's I, like, but I like it. I like it. One Jason. step back, but you keep one foot in. Yeah, well, and what I like about it is it's, it's a positioning play, right? Even if we, if we look at athletes, and let's look specifically at track. Mm. track stars do not start running the race with both of their feet side by side one foot is behind them one foot is in front because that's how they create their propellant so that they can move forward so similarly based on what you just said the strategically placed step back is a propellant to move you forward so I like it I'm here for it all day I think it's great <laughs> well, I, talk, I, I like talking about fighting and boxing and things like that and if you kind of look at that at the end of what me, most people don't know is that it's not really a punch that they throw, it's really your footwork. And so Absolutely. ultimately in, you don't fight with both legs full forward. You have something forward, you have a guard and you have the ability to right. move around. And I, th I think that's, that's, that's a great, you know, position with, you know, that you're 
that you're tapping into. Diving into that, what was the, you, you've identified that you had marketing skill sets. You say, okay, these are natural skill sets. You say, these are my superhero. If I landed on an island, this is what they're going to use me for, right? Yeah. <laughs> what would be one of the things that you said, wait a minute, I don't know, diddly squat about this. And what was the one, because our ego, our ego, and I find this with myself too. It's like, especially as I need to lead certain things, I'm like, I'm supposed to know. And I, I get caught in that. And I think we all do. Um, you know, what was the one thing that you look at and you're like, man, I really had to slow that down and figure the function. What was that yeah. for you? I would totally say sales. <laughs> okay. I could talk and talk and talk. I love words, but stringing words together to get people to take a specific action, i.e. make a deposit so that I would have money was the challenge for me. Like I really needed to get support around the sales process. And I had to study sales psychology and how people think and learn that, you know, a sale is 93% emotional. And if you don't tap into the emotion before you try to back it up with logic, you're not going to close the sale and Mm -hmm. how you need to position yourself and be confident and, and come to the table fully clear that you are capable of solving the problem. All of that will derail the sale. And so I was having lots of conversations, but I was not having lots of conversions. And so I would say that was probably the biggest thing. And then I would say the second thing that really was a challenge for me initially in this whole business was um, recognizing the need to document and systematize. Mm. I was starting from scratch every single time. And until I finally was like, wait a minute, like, I'm doing way too much work, right? And these are the early years where there's no team. It's just Darnielle. And um, I'm starting over every single time. And, and, I'm, and I'm starting to miss steps because I didn't take the time to, to process and write down exactly what it was that I did. And I'm slowing myself down in the process. And this time it's not the good slow down in order to speed up. It's the, you're messing with productivity and efficiency and you're losing uh, comp, your clients are losing confidence because you're not delivering the way that you're supposed to deliver and those types of things. And those, both of those two were lessons that I took to heart and I studied and I, you know, I, I invested in books and, and when I could programs and coaches to really support me in both ways, to be able to make sure that I could convey, I could have a conversation where at the end of it, someone was making a decision to invest in themselves through me. Mm-hmm. And then similarly, I could create um, what today, you know, we would consider playbooks or standard operating procedures for my company. I could make sure that my company had an operating system instead of starting from scratch every single time. But again, I was an employee before I was an entrepreneur and I was responsible for one little piece of a really big puzzle. And I didn't have to use those skill sets. I didn't sell. I didn't have to sell. I was First, I was in project management, and then I managed the efforts of others and customer service or credit where there was no sales. Mm -hmm. And so that wasn't what I did. And even when I, by the time I went into Mary Kay Cosmetics, that was different than selling a product, a service, because it was a physical, tangible product. I could have them try the product on and they could feel their skin and notice a difference. Well, you can't do that with coaching. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You, it doesn't come, it doesn't compute. Right. And so it was like, okay, how do I get these people to see that the promise that I know I can deliver to them, I can convey it in a way that gives them a level of confidence to release their credit card to me, you know, to make a decision to invest in themselves and give me money today. And I studied and studied and studied. And now today I would tell you that each of those skills 
are like backhand to me because I did my work and my due diligence, which is important because there is no business if there are no sales. Mm -hmm. I think, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's, it's a merry-go-round, right? I mean, you think, you know, I'm the salesperson Mm -hmm. and you're like, well, wait a minute, I got nothing to sell. No one can hear what I'm, what my emotions are or the marketing behind it. They don't ever get to my front door. Right. You know, you don't, you're just converting people. Um, what was the thing that, um, when you created this, it sounds like, you know, you started it and you use your church and everything like that. Here's something that I'm kind of interested in. I grew up in the church as well. Um, and, and I used to always make this joke, you know, I learned from, um, you know, my mother was always just such an incredible loving woman. She still is. She's still here. Uh, she, she always loved me and everything like that. I remember when I went to sales and people would just tell me like, you know, you're not going to be really loved all the time. You know, I didn't know how to handle that. And going to church, you know, it's like, oh, everybody loves you. You come in, everybody kind of get this experience. And then you kind of hit the real world. What was your, you know, your experience in going into, the only word I can come up with, I don't really like the word, is the secular word. Um, But what was that transition of then working with people that didn't have those same morals and ethics that you may have had that you had inside the church? Yeah, I mean, when I first came into entrepreneurship, I was very much two separate people. You know, I was Darnielle who loved the Lord and I was Darnielle, the entrepreneur, the business owner. They did not meet or, you know, as the, as the poem says, seldom did they meet. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then probably around 2013 was when I made the decision that if I was really going to show up fully and do this work, all of me needed to come and all of me loves God. Right. And so I just made a, a decision at a time where it was not widely popular or, accept, or acceptable to be talking about business and uh, your spirituality at the same time. And, you know, I've, I've, I've held for all of these years, we don't have to choose. We can love God and make boatloads of money. Now, the churches that I grew up in were very much, you know, they weren't, they were not understanding the fullness of God and the word of God that I know today as an adult that I get to read and connect with on my own. I was kind of, you know, living on someone else's definition of God as a child. And I saw a lot of struggle in the, in the church, which as I became an adult always made me want to shake my head. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, Christians are supposed to be the chosen people. They're supposed to be the inheritors of the kingdom. How is it that they're broke and downtrodden and all the things that I saw inside of my church? And it really as I came into my own and in my business decided to integrate my faith, I realized that there were some things that are wrong with religion. And the things that are wrong with religion are creating an environment for people to not understand the fullness of God. And so I made a decision in my own work that as I integrate my spirituality with business growth strategy, we, we are among the best who do that and our clients get massive results because we do converge the two that I was going to do it in a way that didn't have a religious filter because I think religion separates and God is really, he's about the fullness and, and love and all of those things that you express that you got to experience inside of your church. And, um, and that has made a huge difference. But in the early years, to go back to your original question, mm-hmm. when I was disjointed and I wasn't confident bringing my faith into my work, it wasn't a thing because I held, I kept the two separate. It became um, important for me to take, when I took the, the stand to say, this is who I am and this is how I roll, it became important to me to 
share that in a manner that wasn't exclusionary and that wasn't judgmental or hypocritical. Because in a lot of ways, in my experience, that is the church. Sure. And so my thought process has always been, and I have clients that are Christians, but I also have clients who are Muslims and clients that are agnostic as well as clients that are atheists. Like I am, I don't have a heaven or a hell to put anybody in. Mm-hmm. And so I don't stand in judgment. Instead, what I do is I introduce, introduce people to the fullness of God so that they can build a relationship with God for themselves, absent from re- religion. And in so doing, make decisions that are going to carry them into the principles that govern this universe, right? I think about the fact that church principles only work in church, but God principles work everywhere. And that's what I want people to be able Mm. to experience, the fullness and everything that is available to us. And it's interesting that um, people who operate through an extremely religious filter are often missing the the benefits that are associated with being amongst believers of God. And and so I get to exploit all those paradigms and probably piss people off that are overly religious and hopefully at the same time, open them up to considering the feasibility that there is more to God than they have access to and invite them to explore that in a way that not only fuels their spirit, but also allows them to connect deeply with their purpose so that they get to shake the planet, but also experience massive wealth. Because if we do want to go and talk about Jesus, whom I love, the whole point of Jesus was that we might experience abundance. Yet there's a lot of people who aren't experiencing abundance because of the the way that they are interpreting who God is and and the role that he plays in our lives. And so I get to today be a catalyst for people Mm. to look at God and their relationship to religion and all of those things differently and how it plays out inside of their business. And I get really excited about that. I, you know, I wear that mount, that mantle with pride because I know that I am really getting to, in a lot of ways, deliver people, but open people up to really experience the abundance that I believe is every single person's birthright. I, um, I remember traveling and at the time I was in Thailand and had a bunch of friends with me and we were sitting around and having some food and we're all joking. And I just, I just kind of recognized, I stopped for a second and I go, Hey guys, we're all having fun. Um, and I can tell, you know, we all came from different countries, provinces, you know, everything else. I said, isn't it kind of funny that, um, you know, that we're out having a good time. And I said, you're Muslim, you're Buddhist, you're Christian, you know, you're, whatever else you are and the moment I bring that up is the only time we find ourselves separating each other right and I you know I, and I said you know the irony between be, be, uh, in between that is like I used to always kind of joke I said like if I pull my arm up and I pinch underneath my arm like there's no nobody that doesn't have pain yeah, that sucks right <laughs> and exactly all like the same right and I think we are that it's, all the same we are it's it's kind of it's a bunch of bs to think that like we don't go through these same emotions. And I think that like your story, even going back, having the ability, I really, I, I really did. I enjoyed kind of going back and watching your evolution and even going all the way back. One thing I think that you've done well is that you've kind of created a core. And I think one thing that I'm tapping into this conversation and let's, maybe I can do this in a way. And again, you know, I grew up in the church too. So I find myself like, am I supposed to say it like that? You know, I'm, I'll say it anyways, you know, always got in trouble. Yeah, say it like that. <laughs> but, but ultimately, um, 
I think something that has kind of shifted over the last maybe 10 years or so is that um, there is a, uh, I don't know, man, who was it? You know, it was like a Galileo or something like that. And basically what it was is combining two things that you love and taking those two things and then going to market. So you just kind of talked about like entrepreneurship and religion and, and in our conversation, that kind of creates, and I'm, I'm not going to over speak the word blue ocean because everybody uses it, but ultimately like that makes you your specialty because right. if you're bringing these two things together, as you were kind of doing that, did, did you recognize that? Or do you think that like you caught it later on and you go, you know, there's, there's, yeah. a, there's a marketing piece to this as well. You know, it's kind of like the Machiavelli and the God side, you know, Machiavelli saves right. the princes and then God saves, <laughs> saves your soul. You know, right. did you find, was there a time? I when, Wait a minute. This I is didn't know I was doing it at first. Mm. I was just trying to be authentic and real to myself. And I was also searching for answers. And like, for me, I believe that, like you just said, right? Religion is a separator. And I believe that if we're separate, we can't be as powerful as we could be together. And I did make a very conscious decision when I decided to converge spiritual principles with business growth strategy. And I specifically say spiritual principles, not Christian principles, not biblical principles, spiritual principles, mm -hmm. because I want to create an inclusive environment. I am not, I'm very clear, you know, I'm not called just to work with Christian, like I'm not called to any of those labels because I believe that they are all separators. And I believe that they keep us from experiencing the fullness of God. Now, I happen to be a person who loves Jesus, right? And so the way I always describe myself these days, Jason, is I say, I subscribe to the doctrines of Christianity. And I know that makes people like put their eyebrow up. They're like, what in the world is this woman talking about? And what that means to me, because I'm I, me and God are the only ones that need to have any cognizance of this conversation. But what that means to me is I do love Jesus. I do believe in, in the purpose that he plays in my life experience, but I am not for a lot of the religious filters that are binding Christians to not experiencing the fullness of the whole purpose of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I also know that my role, who I am, is to be a disruptor and to create an environment for people to question religion and move into relationship with God, the Holy Spirit and his son, Jesus. And so, because I'm very clear of that, I'm not easily moved or swayed by any of those other things. I do know, however, that it is marketable. I never did it for that. I'm not looking to gain. Like I, I call those people, uh, people who pimp Jesus. Like I'm not looking to pimp Jesus. Like it, it I believe that relationship with God is the best place you could ever be. And if you were to invite God into your life and therefore into your business, what you will experience is an incredible thing. Like you will experience an incredible one of, of a business if you have these things together. And so I'm always cautious about making sure that as I'm communicating, I'm communicating in a way that doesn't seem as if, or, or won't appeal to anybody as if I'm trying to market, um, you know, my spiritual process and anything like that, because I, I don't want to taint anyone's experience. I'm also part of the reason to say, to go back to what I said a little bit ago, why I don't talk specifically 
you know, for the church or for Christians is because those labels hold a lot of trauma, a lot of triggers mm. and a lot of hurts for a lot of people mm -hmm. that are still entitled to the abundance mm. that has been earmarked and reserved for them. And so I'm trying to be very clear to create this in inclusive environment for entrepreneurs of faith, people who believe that there is something greater than themselves that want an outlet for that exploration and that, that, um, that expression. And I want to be that safe space where they can come and have a reckoning and connect even more deeply yeah. while also building their business. Because I believe that life and business is congruent, right? I say all the time, you cannot have a booming business if you have a busted life. It's not going to happen. And so we've got to get all of the bust out of your life in order for your business to boom. And a lot of that bust comes as a, as a result of things that have happened in the church. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because man is the one who runs the church, right? And man is flawed and man makes mistakes. And, and we as other people are impacted by what man has done. And we want to blame God for it, although God had nothing to do with it. And so um, for me, it's, it's very important to, to take this stand, if you will, and to show that you can love God and have boatloads of money. They are not mutually exclusive. You can have them both and you don't have to sacrifice anything to have them both. And I think that that's important because so many people have been raised in an environment where you can't, right? And there's, mm. uh, we could go into all of the scriptures in the Bible that people misquote and misinterpret about money and love, like all of the things, right? We could go into well, all, we all interpret of that, things that are, we interpret things that we feel are going to take us to the next step or, or that, that are going back. to, that are going to put us on a pedestal. I mean, we, we, we kind of say, you know, these are the things that I'm going to do and I'm going to cherry pick. And also there's some things too. I mean, you've got non-denominational, you've got, you know, the King James version, you know, it's like, guys, we, you know, let's not argue about what version I got. Cause at the end of the day, maybe like you say, it's the principles. I think another thing that you tapped into is that if you were saying, you know, it's Jesus and everybody say, Hey, like be like Jesus. Well, there was a time too. What did he do? He walked into the synagogue and he walked right up to the tables and he ripped those tables up in the air. And basically if he had all five fingers, he had two of them up. <laughs> and he was basically saying, you know, here, here's what, what the issue is. And I'm going to go ahead and represent that issue. And so I don't know if, you know, always the, the, the idea of be like Jesus is a sense of love. It's also a sense of, I don't want to say tyranny in the words, right. But the sense of like, Hey, I'm going to overturn and I'm going to disrupt. Um, I think that one thing, and, and I was actually working with my team, we were talking about, um, and I haven't been able to really bring it up. And it, it was kind of like one of these things where I was like, how do I bring it up? Like, Maybe you're the right person, but it was super fun. I was actually having a conversation. I said, guys, if you want to know marketing, study the church. Mm -hmm. if, if you want to know marketing, study the church. The church is a master. They have sold, I don't want to say so. They have, they have displayed the dream outcome. Every single religion has, has displayed the dream outcome. They've shown the time that it'll take to get there, right? Say this prayer, boom, you're in. Right. They, and what you started off with, you know, we want to have uh, simplicity or um, we want to be able to look at other people and we want to say, wow, I perceive that if they can do it, I can do it. And that happens right. with Christianity. You know, you tell your testimonial, you're basically saying I was a torn, broken person. You could be saved right. too. And, right. and you watch all of these things. And if you if you can kind of pull yourself away from that, 
you can look at the fundamentals are laid directly in the church. And I always, oh, every, what, yeah. what's, your, what's your thoughts about that? I, I definitely agree. Everything is in the Bible, like everything. Like I was having a conversation with a client who was struggling, struggling with delegation. And I could talk about the story of Moses where Moses's father-in-law was bringing his wife and his kids to come see him. And Moses was busy, you know, keeping the people and, and hearing to their grievances and all of that. And his dad turns to him and says, you can't do all of the things. You need to appoint some people to help you. That was a story about delegation in the Bible. I could talk about the woman in second Kings after the widow, her husband had died and the bill collectors were calling and she went to Elijah and Elijah was like, what do you have? And she was like, I have this little bit of oil. He said, go borrow jars. This is sales in the Bible. Go borrow jars from your neighbors. Fill the oil that you have in the jars. The oil will not stop until you run out of jars. Then go back to your neighbors and sell them what you have. That's wow. sales. Like, I mean, I could talk about, and I, I mean, and I could keep going. I could talk about leadership, everything 12, you need 12 to be disciples. a successful CEO. Right. Everything Jesus you need says, to be. I need 12 people to get this message out. <laughs> Listen. And that's recruitment. That's like, that's hiring that, that, that he did, uh, corrective action plans. Yeah. <laughs> Everything is in the Bible. It's, it's, it is a great backdrop for life. Right. I mean, and even, you know, those people who have the acronym for basic, what is it? Bake it basic something before leaving earth or basic mm. instructions before leaving earth, I think is what it is, oh, is what the Bible, what it, what it stands for or whatever it, it's all like, I feel like we, especially people who operate in a religious fil filter, we're missing the mark and we're missing the opportunity to, to see what is possible for us if we realize, you know, that there's one true and living God, right? And it, and, and while you might call it whatever, like, you know, it's all, Allah means God in that language, right? Like, like we're missing the opportunity to experience the fullness of the abundance by focusing on being separated and the do's and the don'ts that go along with what we've determined to be right or wrong instead of looking at what it is that actually puts us in the position to experience everything that it is that God desires for us. And so inside of my work, I just wanted to create a safe space where people of faith could come and could you know, get what they needed personally and professionally to be able to, to live into that abundance, right? I, I think about, um, since we're talking Bible, you know, Deuteronomy, which is also part of the Torah, 8 and 18, and, and for it is the Lord your God that gives you the power to create wealth. I believe entrepreneurship is the power to create wealth. And if we were given that by God to create wealth, but we aren't experiencing wealth, what is it that we're missing that is also laid out in this book that gives us the instructions we need to follow in order to experience the abundance? Mm. And so there's, you know, I could, I, I could talk all day about it and, and I love every second of it. And then I can also talk about, you know, some of the, the discrepancies that exist and mm. some of the contention that goes along with religion, right? You know, specifically for people of color, we were not born here. Well, I mean, I was technically born here, but my ancestors back in the day, they were brought here. They were given religion, mm. one that was acceptable to leadership, to government, to allow it to be okay for them to remain enslaved. And for what continues to happen inside of this country, 
for people who look like me at this point, still based on the foundations of, I, it's all deep and it's all at the same time, uh, it's divisive. It's not supportive and all encompassing and creating an environment in a space where abundance gets to ensue. And all I'm trying to do is bring a little bit more abundance into the world because I do believe abundance is our birthright. I, I think that you brought this up and I, I, I think I'm gonna tap into it um, right now. And that is like, we are in a divisive world. Um, I think that there is a lot of opportunity for people of color at this time. I think that there's an opportunity for um, growth. Um, how do you see that evolving? Um, Cause I, I see a, a major, I see, I see both sides and that's just pure honesty. I, I see both sides. Mm -hmm. I see, I see parts of it that are just destructive. And then I see this other side and it's almost like this bright light of, of education. I see this like desire to like learn more. I see this community coming around. Um, it, I mean, it's, it's like yourself. I mean, there's just like this, there's this glow that I think is bringing to that community. What, what is your thoughts yeah, on what's I going would, on? I would I think that, you know, but I think both of those things are true. The, the challenge is that we still have a lot of people in this world who hate people who look like me, who feel threatened by the greatness that resides in people who look like me. And because they are in positions of power, they can kill people who look like me and they can get off for it. And, and as long as we have that hate, which takes us all the way back to slavery, the light can only cast out so much of that hate. So yes, there is a convergence. There are people who are open-minded that are not, um, that, that were lucky enough or blessed enough, however you wanna look at it, to not be raised by people who think some, there's something wrong with anyone of any color. So let's not just make it this about black people, but let's look at every person of color, right? There, there are some people who feel uh, superior to, like, I'm, I remember when I was in corporate America and I'm talking back circa 1999, 2000, I had just gotten promoted to officer. Um, mm. and I worked for a bank for a financial services company. And one of the things that you did when you got promoted to PBO is they sent you through this training called treating people as important individuals. It was a diverse diversity and inclusion training, or at least it was an attempt, a bad attempt at it. And so in this class, a checkbox. Um, a check it was box. it was essentially a checkbox. But let me talk about this activity in particular. For sure. So we had this one activity where we were talking about biases. And so the, the first part of the activity is every single person, I was the only black person in there. There was one Hispanic person and one Asian person in there, and everyone else was white. And uh, we were to write they gave us these big whiteboards. And on one whiteboard, we were to write everything we had ever heard about our race. And then on the other whiteboard, we were to write everything that we believed about our race. And so mm. on the board for everything that I had heard about my race was, you know, lazy, athletic, creative, inventors, and then, you know, the things that I believed, intelligent, all of that. The second part of the exercise is that each of us were to go around to everyone's boards and we were to put a dot on the things that we personally believed mm. about what was on the boards. I think you probably know where I'm going with this. So my boards had no dots on anything positive. This was in 1999. Nothing positive. I went off, Jason. I went off. 
you know, they, we were ready. They were ready to debrief. Who has, who has something to say? My hand is up first. And I said, I am, you know, I don't remember exactly what I said because it was a lot of years ago, but the gist was I am flabbergasted at the fact. And I said, I think I said first, I said, just by a show of hands, how many of you watch Oprah? Every hand was up. Mm. You guys don't think Oprah is smart or creative mm. or whatever other positive attributes I had on my list. And they're, of course, now they're feeling embarrassed and they're like trying to shrink into their chairs. Like no one sees me, no one sees me. But I was livid. I went to my uh, senior executive uh, person at the time, vice president at the time, and I went and I went off on him. They ended up pulling that class. And so why did I tell this story now? Because there are in many ways, I feel like where we live today is very much like that same experience. I believe that all lives can't matter until black lives matter and Asian lives matter and Hispanic lives matter. Like there are so many people who are, you know, well, why can't we just say all lives matter? Because we have white cops killing black people. That's why we can't just say all lives matter now. And I'm not trying to take away from the fact that there are black people killing black people. Just like there are white people killing white people and every everything else, um, but we—I said all of that to say I don't like. I'm not. I try my best not to be political, um, but to answer your question um, because I did, you know, open the door to it. Yes, there is there is a, a little bit of light trying to come into all of the hate, but until we wash out all of the hate, the light will not get to emerge. And so it's great for those people who are open minded and who see people for who they are even though even though you see me for who I am you still have to see a black woman because that's the first thing you see when you look at me and it's okay to see a black woman but don't make an assumption that because I'm a black woman that I'm ghetto or that I'm on welfare or that I got a whole bunch of kids and a whole bunch of babies daddies or any of the other stereotypes or that I'm angry or any of those things without taking the time to get to know me because the only way love casts out hate is if we actually get into a space where there is an opportunity for us to have a conversation and communicate. And when we have these officers or these other people who are in positions of power, who usurp their authority of power and don't open up a line of communication because they feel threatened or they're looking for a reason to do something to get rid of people that they don't like, there isn't enough light to cast out that hate and that darkness. Um, you took me there, Jason. So I had to say it. Um, I would love to, I would love to live in a world and I wish I didn't have to have running in the back of my mind right now, Dr. Martin Luther King's speech that he, he has a dream that one day, and I'm sad to say that this day is still not that day. And it's really sad that that is the case because it's at the time of this recording, it's 2021 and we're still contending with racial issues and hatred and misunderstanding and not even just what's happening on the color divide. You know, we have a whole nother subset of that happening on the sexual orientation divide. Like there's just, there's so many places where the differences that exist within us, instead of them being opportunities for us to learn and to come together, they're opportunities to keep us apart. It's, it's in a lot of ways, it could be perceived like the divisiveness of religion. And I think that each and every one of us has an opportunity to um, open up our hearts and our minds and make decisions for ourselves, even if we were born into situations where that is what we were taught, right? You're an adult now. You have the ability sometimes, to think something different, right? We, not I, a problem. Sometimes, yeah. I mean, but well, all those patterns can be broken sure. because I'm not, I'm not oblivious to the fact that who we are as adults is based on who 
what everything we took in as children and what we observed our parents to do. But I also know all of those beliefs that limited us then are all beliefs that we can change. If you look at the word believe, B-E-L-I-E-V-E, there's a lie in belief. Most of the things we believe are a lie. And if we started to question those lies, we could get to experience some truth and we could change um, perceptions and open up dialogues in a way that could create an environment for people to truly benefit from those of us who are good. And I'm not, I'm not trying to suggest that every single person of any color is an inherently good person, but I think that there are many of us who are that just because of what we look like, just because of who we love or what our orientation is, we get misconstrued about the value that we can have and the difference we can make in the lives of other people. And that really needs to stop. I'm not, I don't know that it's gonna stop in our lifetime, Jason, but I can tell you that the light that is peeking through, it's enough to give hope, but it's not enough to stop being concerned about and advocating for people who are still um, entrenched and disrupted by this system. And uh, I, I guess I open these questions and maybe I, <laughs> I'm going to get punched because I don't know. It's such a, it's an no, interesting I, conversation. Listen, the beauty I'm here is, for all of it. Here's, here the only thing I could say that for myself is that I've traveled a lot of the world. I've seen so much stuff. I mean, I've seen everything from transgender to gay to, you know, a peop, uh, my roommate in Thailand, uh, you know, he was a black German and I didn't even know that that existed. Genuinely, I was totally a good guy. And he's my good friend today, you know, and I think that a lot of us, we, we sometimes don't even know how to have. Well, a lot of, yeah. Yeah. We, we, we I, I would don't. definitely agree with that. And I, what I think I love about this conversation that we're having right now is that there's an openness to you. I mean, here we are, you are a white man. I am a black woman and we are able to have a conversation in openness to get an understanding and to share points of view albeit the same or different in a manner that is serving and supporting and will help all of the people who will watch this. I love I, that. I, I think, think there's also a side of it where sometimes it's just, it's just my job to listen. I mean, as just as, as in, in certain things that are maybe past something that I, that I don't experience or that I would maybe say, this is why you should feel this way or whatever. Sometimes it's just maybe my position just to listen. And maybe, you know, there's a little bit of, of that, of that community that just needs people just to listen. I mean, you know, I, I'm going to throw, throw out, throw in the, the relationship, you know, and, and this is business too. This is employees. This is having staff. This is having all these people and, you know, having girlfriend been married, it's all these things. And what's the one thing I just wanted you to listen to me. And sometimes I think that I, I don't have the answer. I, there's no way you and I could sit here and I have the answer. And I don't think you would ever expect it. I, no, think that, absolutely. I think that ultimately we come to this conclusion. It's just like, maybe we'll just listen and, and just listen. Maybe there just shouldn't even be some kind of a response that I, cause I just, the response maybe come out wrong. And I think that there should be open discussions, but it takes all, plus like if we're, I don't even want to separate. Honestly, I grew up, I grew up in Riverside, California, which is inland from Los Angeles. And there's so much diversity, like, it's like, I grew up with that massive diversity. So I have like this background of just never really caring. I mean, that was just my experience, but that doesn't mean it's anybody else's experience. And that I think is right. a fair play only to myself because I'm only responsible for my actions at that point. 
But the one thing in, in, in business, and this, this, this was kind of where I was kind of getting at it, and I don't really care where the conversation goes. That's what these are about, right? You kind of let them go where they go. My question or my thing is that I think that there is a part of the community that we're talking about that I'm seeing this constructive positiveness of education that maybe um, I, I never judged it. It never was my thing, but that I don't know was at that level forever. And I'm seeing right. these communities come together and I'm like, sweet, like bring it to the table. At the end of the day, I think that the, the, the one thing that would bring this all together is if we come down to a final conclusion of how do we bring value? And it will not, I don't think it'll matter if it's color, if it's religion, whatever it is, how do you bring value? And when you start solving people's problems, I don't, I mean, there comes to a core function that goes, I don't care who that thing or person or machine, I mean, shoot, we're having machines solve problems now. And so how do we bring value um, to more people? And then as these communities start bringing more value to these other communities, I think that, that transcends at the end of the day. You have all colors, all races, all sexualities going to different religions. And I think there's just an opportunity for that I'm seeing, I, just that I'm noticing that in these communities are coming together and they say, how do we become financially educated? How do we come together and make better decisions. And that's just from the outside looking in. That's just what I see. Yeah, I, and, and I would definitely not negate that. I don't know that it is that simple, right? But I do think that you're right. There are people who have, as a, as a result of what happened last year with George Floyd, that created a real opening for many groups, as I think is what you're alluding to in terms of more people who are white to ask with, with not trying to assert yourself in it. Like, I think that's one of the worst things you could do is try to make it about you when a person. So I, I'm appreciative of you listening instead of trying to interject your perspective because perception is reality and you don't know, you have no idea. <laughs> you have no idea because you've never walked around and immediately just in being seen, no matter how you were dressed, whatever kind of car you've been driving, whatever kind of neighborhood your home is in, you've never had to deal with that, right? So I think it is best in those particular instances to listen. But I, And I do also agree with you that I think it is great that people are asking the questions, being sensitive to and opening themselves up to experience what it's like to, to have a different reality in everything. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and then if you if you take the fact that not only am I a black woman, I mean, not only am I black, I am also a woman. So that's like in a lot of places like double minority. Right. And which it gives so much more potentially sure. to contend with. Sure. Um, but yes, the, I think that there's the opportunity for things to keep moving in that direction. But until we get to the point it and if we ever will i don't know and and you know i don't know that it as i said earlier i don't know that it's something that would be resolved in our lifetime but until we get to the point where um people stop looking at differences and start looking at similarities until we get to the point where we really do treat people as important individuals when i think about maslow's hierarchy of needs right every single person black white indian orange, green, gay, straight. Every single person has an innate need 
and is looking for a place to belong, to belong. They are looking for, for community. Sure. For sure. And if we drill down to that basic need of every single person and from that place start building up without bias or assumption, without uh, trying to sound as if you understand my experience, and asking the questions in a way that is not confrontational, but actually opens up a dialogue that we could discuss it in a positive and present manner, then we can continue to create more light. Um, is that gonna be resolved today? No, especially not if the people who are in control, i.e. Our, our police officers are, it is okay for them to make a decision that, that a person who is jogging without any indication that there's anything on them that is alarming or threatening anyone to shoot them, as long as that is still a possibility and that is okay, then we're gonna, we have work to do. And I think all we can agree at this particular point in time, regardless of where we're talking, um, is that there is work to do. I personally am I'm very open to having conversations like this. I. I get excited when people authentically and genuinely want to understand about my experience and add value or open up a pathway to a door that I might not have been able to open on my own. I am grateful for those types of opportunities. I personally seek to give love everywhere that I can, but I'm not no fool and I'm not a pushover either. And I'm not going to allow anything just because, you know what I mean? Like, so I think that there's a responsibility for each individual person to do their part to as much as possible. Like I, I think it would be ignorant to say to not see color or to not see difference. That that's a lie. Like and even that's people never gonna, are, you're, you're different. Like, I think that, right. Like, well, and we're different and you see, like, I remember someone said to me, I don't even see. I'm like, no, you do. You cannot look at me and not see a black woman. I get what you are saying. You look at my heart and the condition of who I am and all of that. But you look at me, you see a black woman because I am a black woman. I am never going to be a white woman mm -hmm. or even an Asian or a Hispanic woman. I'm going to always be a black girl. That's well, who I all, am. I mean, to be yeah. fair, we all come okay. with, we also all come exactly. with right. there are certain things. I mean, you know, Absolutely. We, we come with these certain, you know, special traits that we that we have from where we came from. I mean, it, regardless of if we like that, there's certain specialties that we have, and those right. um, I guess you would say, uh, what are they called? Your um, uh, what's your zone of genius? And yeah. I think that there is zones of genius that come from different cultures. I mean, the Absolutely. way we the way we eat. I mean, I, I've I've lived in India. I've lived in the Philippines. I've lived in Thailand. I've been to you know, all these different countries and there's like zone of genius that I think that ultimately, and I make this all the time. And I say, you know, if there's a way we can figure out just because I've traveled so much that realizing that most of us, I don't think are racist. I think we're culturalist. I think we really just don't understand. I don't think you should make that statement. And I don't, and I like, when we start getting into the, the racist word, I, we need to change the subject because you, sure. yeah, I don't, well, I don't I'll think- I'll just say I, my, my understanding I, so I can clear my statement up on that. My sense is that we should, we should inject ourselves into other people's cultures so that we can understand each other. That's my, that's my answer. And I'm not, okay. I'm not diving into the, the, the word that I was trying to use. Yeah, so let me, yeah, don't use that word and don't make that statement because there are, racist <laughs> i'm not there saying are. they're not and I, what i'm saying is yeah. that diving into said, culture most of us aren't and i think that's an inappropriate statement to make because you don't know most of us and there's a lot of them that exist and so that's why i'm like 
let's not even go down that line. Like, let's not even talk about racism. Like, like let's not, let's just not even go there because it, it can yeah. put a whole sure. lens. Well, where I was going, so I get this correct, is that as, and because obviously we talk about business and things like that, th this is where I was going with it. It's a sense of, if we can learn each other's cultures, then we can understand where our zones of genius are. And as we learn each other's zones of genius, then we can utilize each other and we can utilize each other's value that bring to the table. And I've seen that around the world. And mm -hmm. I think that, you know, you see, I've seen in India, they, they just function differently. Their minds are different. You know, you go to the Philippines, their minds are different. And so what my kind of, I, I've never, not like my driving passion, but being around the world, I, I found myself going, wow, we're just so, we are different, but there's a benefit to being different. And I think that oh, that's I don't, the- I don't, I don't disagree with that particular point that there's a benefit to being different. I think that while I, I like the thought of what you're stating, I feel like it's apples to oranges based on where we are in this particular country. And mm. you're right, other places are not as um, threatened by people of color as they are here in the United States. Um, but I mean, listen, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like we've kind of gotten so far down a rabbit hole that we're not even talking about what we were supposed to be talking about anymore. Well, you know what, it's beautiful. Um, I, I'm okay with it. Yeah. I, I think it's, it, you know, I think, like I said, I do my homework. I went all the way back. I had a blast watching, you know, just your story, evolution of everything that you yeah. come. I think that, it, I think it's incredible. Um, you know, everything that you have put to the table and, I think that, I, I don't know how it turned to that or whatever. Well, I think we start with religion and then it basically turns yeah, I think to- Yeah, that that's it. And, <laughs> and, like, and, and hear me, like, I think that, I think that there are a lot of possibilities, but I also believe that there are a lot of things that need to change. It's at the individual level. Each mm. one, each one individual, every single one of us has to make a decision and a concerted effort to not, to, to see things differently and to create a different reality than what exists in this, this country today. But we cannot forget the history of this country. Again, my people did not ask to come here. They did not go to buy a ticket to get on a boat to come to the United States. They were ripped out of their lives to, to do that. And I think that we can't ignore what has happened in the past. We have to heal from it. And I personally believe that as a country, there hasn't been enough healing, which is why we still see many of the things that we see while we also see the lights that you talked about earlier, right? Like, I think um, they're both existing at the same time. And I think we still have a way to go, although we have come far in many ways. And I think that when I think about business and when I think about the opportunities that exist, everything you just said a moment ago about being able to see someone, you, you use the word zone of greatness or you, zone of genius, I would use greatness, being able to see an individual's greatness and from that place, you know, build the relationship is definitely a move in the right direction. I think that um, there's work to do. And, you know, for as long as I'm going to be here, my mission just mm -hmm. to bring that all back full circle is to find a way for people to experience the fullness of God as they build their businesses, because they don't have to choose. Mm -hmm. They can love God and make boatloads of money, no matter what they look like, what yeah. any of the things, none of that matters to their ability to be able to experience all of the abundance that is fully entitled to them at this particular point in time. And I think 
as long as there are conversations that are being had, like the one that we are having now and people are open to exploring a different reality, change is possible. And these conversations are not easy, so that you know. These are no, not easy. they're absolutely not easy. <laughs> <laughs> they're not easy for me. They're not easy for anyone. They're sometimes uncomfortable. I, I, my goal is to try to come off as genuine as possible, and that's sometimes. Yeah, I, and I feel that, like, I don't feel, I don't feel any, any in, in authenticity. I don't feel any haughtiness or any of those things that can create. But I also know, like, personally. I know the point at which Darnielle needs to stop, right? And I know what can burn Darnielle's biscuits. Mm, <laughs> and so while right. I'm happy to have a, a, a very positive conversation and share my point of view and, yeah. and hear your point of view, I think that there comes to a point when there are statements that can be made that although they may be made from a place of sincerity, it when they are not uh, entirely factual, they can be a trigger. And I'm not trying to create anything other than a positive environment for us to have this conversation that can be however you choose to air it to your community. It could be hopefully a source of inspiration I to them about what is possible in every possible way. I, I, I think it definitely is. I think I've never had a conversation like this, you know, on my podcast and <laughs> <Me neither. laughs> I'm not scared of it in a sense. I think it's beautiful. I, I genuinely, genuinely have just enjoyed this time with you. And I think that there's like so many openings that you've brought genuinely through this process. And as you've kind of said, you know, there's different things that you've learned through this process. You've had to overcome. You like say, Hey, look, I wrote a book, you know, um, what is it that um, I guess that you would say that the biggest opportunity now that we have on, on a totally different side, we do have a, 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 a kind of a, a reset. I don't know how to use that word, but at the end, of the day, we kind of got this opportunity as entrepreneurs to kind of be entrepreneurs. What is it that mm -hmm. you feel um, that you're teaching in some of your programs that are opportunities today that we can take that may not have been available? Yeah, I think that that's a great question. I mean, I feel like, you know, I, and, and, I, and I, I think that if we looked at historical data, we knew that we would have our own pandemic in our lifetime, right? Because in the 20th, in the 20s, in every century, there's been something, right? The Spanish flu or whatever. And so we knew that we would have something, but I think it's one thing to know it kind of in the back of your minds and something else entirely to be living through it. And I think that COVID-19, this pandemic has opened up an amazing opportunity for business, mm. right? That there's so much innovation. There's in anytime there's an economic downturn and or a health downturn, there are millionaires that are born, right? Mm -hmm. And so we, we see a lot of that coming out of what is happening now. And people who previously would not have been able to start a business, like I was having a conversation at the dentist. I went to the dentist today and we got to talking about COVID and, you know, she was, had homeschooled her daughter and mm. all of that and, and how, and I was saying how I have clients who became educational and home study consultants during COVID-19, right? The schools closed, they got laid off or whatever they did. And they decided they pivoted as, you know, that was the word, right? And they started their own companies. And today they're making more as, homeschooling consultants than they made as teachers in the classroom or, you know, or people mm. who were only previous doing, previously doing events, live, live events with hotels and food and beverage minimums and, 
all of that who pivoted to do virtual events who substantially reduced their overhead, but also massively increased their reach and therefore their income. And so I feel like for as much um, that may not have been good that came out of the season, and I'm so not trying to trivialize the lives that have been lost as a result of this pandemic, I my heart goes out and I share sincere condolences to anyone who lost a loved one during sure. the season. There's equally been a lot of opportunity that has been created. And what I love about us as, a, 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 you know, as humans is that in adversity, we rise. And, and so we can find opportunities to create the next best thing to make the world a better place. And not just for the monetary, monetary capitalization thereof, but to be able to solve problems, right? Like the, 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 regardless of whether you are vaccinated, one to be vaccinated or any of those things, the speed with which the vaccine became available because of SARS years ago and, and the development and, and then being able to put that into place to reduce substantially the number of lives. Like there's so many things. And I think at, at any time in history where there has been great loss, there has also been great gain. And while there's a, that's a dichotomy and there's mixed feelings that are associated and go along with that, I think that we can um, both celebrate as we celebrate the legacies of those we may have lost during the season, we can also celebrate the innovations of those who have created things that make this world a better place and, and create an opening and an opportunity for us to continue to serve mankind and to shake the planet. And I think that's what I love about what has happened in the season, um, being able to quickly adapt the way Big that time. we serve and how we, how we serve our clients mm -hmm. and, and almost not miss a beat and produce the same or greater level of transformation because we were all agile and flexible and, and not allowing our fear mm -hmm. in the moment of something that we've never seen before impact our faith to be the solution mm -hmm. that people needed most during that time. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is really powerful and also extremely beautiful. Yeah, I think, you know, sometimes you're not, we're not the ones that uh, collapse the building or whatever, but the people in the community can actually come together and figure out how they're going to rebuild it. And I mm -hmm. think that that's kind of what's going on right now. And there's a lot of opportunities. Um, I, I've enjoyed this conversation. I think you're awesome. I, I really do. And I, I, and I think I, I'm awesome too. <laughs> I do. I, I, and I, I keep going back to this, but you are by far the first person that I saw that posted all the way back and stayed consistent. And so I just want to make sure I acknowledge that because your story stayed the same, you know, you didn't derail and it just like kept going. And I think that that, I think that that's what people should really get. Um, obviously have so much more, but I think that that's like been your power play. I mean, you've literally just even through your social media, you didn't like show the other stuff. You kept your, your yeah. consistency. I think that that's something yeah. that's your, your testament. And I think that that is really important. Like, so for people who are looking for something to take away from this conversation, especially to apply it to your business, right? That's definitely one of the things that I would say is once you get clear about who you are in the marketplace and the problem you solve, be consistent, show up. You know, we do a weekly communication on Wednesdays mm. and we've done that for... I don't know, 11, 12 years. Like I can remember less than the number of fingers I have on one hand, the times when that didn't occur. And in each of those times when our communication didn't go out, people emailed and said, are you okay? Because they could set their clock on our Wednesday 9 a.m. email, mm -hmm. right? And 
communicate the, the things that we can communicate. And, you know, I tell people all the time I work in, you know, in marketing and, and with messaging, once you figure out your message and you share it in a compelling way, become a broken record. So that every time, like I didn't know that Jason was going to go back and look at me from back in the day, but I'm grateful that what he found was the consistency because I've been trying to convey the same message up leveling along the way. Um, but to convey the same message all, of, all the time, because who we are and who, what we're here to do, it doesn't inherently change. It evolves, it gets better, it deepens, but it's pretty much the same premise that we established and that ability to be consistent, even when things around you are not, is what's going to give you staying power as an entrepreneur. I mean, I've been in, in business for 14 years. It's, yeah. I pinch myself all the time. I cannot believe it. I, you know, I have full-time employees that I am contributing to their households and their livelihood because I was consistent. And that brings me an immense amount of pride and joy. And I'm even more grateful to see what is yet to come as we continue to move forward. So I'm- Isn't it cool, I'm being, isn't it cool being in like business this long? Like how many how many like uh, employees you've had that have kids? And you're just like, wait, and I'm watching yeah. this whole like evolution, right? Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Like I- it, you know, you can look at it as, you know, an obligation and responsibility and allow that to cre create fear, or you can look at it with a sense of amazement that you staying true to your gift and showing up fully in the marketplace and inside of your business is allowing other people to live like that's impact. And that really does excite me. Well, where do they find you, Danielle? You're, <laughs> you're a yeah, voice to be reckoned with. <laughs> If you, if you put Darnielle in anywhere, you'll find me, but I'm at Darnielle Jervy Harmon on all the platforms, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, Twitter, everywhere at Darnielle Jervy Harmon is how you can find me. Our company website is incredibleoneenterprises.com and my personal website is darnielle.com. Well, I appreciate this time. I had a great time and um, another good episode of Moved Entrepreneur Evolved. Thank you so much, Darnielle. We'll close this thing so out. Welcome. Have a great rest of your day. <laughs> Thank you. Take care, guys. If you like this episode, make sure you smash the like button and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just like Nike is to athletes, Moved is to entrepreneurs.